Well, hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Chiropractic Research Podcast Series. My name is Dr. Dean Smith, and I'll be the host for this interview. Just a brief background about myself. I'm a clinical faculty member in the Department of Kinesiology and Health at Miami University, uh, and also maintain a private practice of chiropractic in Eaton, Ohio. I obtained a Doctor of Chiropractic degree from National College in 1997, and a PhD in Brain and Cognitive Science with a focus on motor behavior and postural control from Miami University in 2004. And my research interests involve uh, human movement and coordination, and I'm most interested in how chiropractic affects human performance. My goals for this podcast uh, series are to get the word out about chiropractic research from the experts that are actually doing the research, to encourage collaboration of researchers to promote future high-quality chiropractic research, and to motivate and assist practitioners and students alike to pursue research careers in chiropractic science. And uh, I'm very excited to have Dr. Katie Pullman uh, with me today. And uh, I had the good fortune of meeting Katie, oh, the summer? I guess it was this summer. Mm -hmm. And um, so Katie, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about her. She's a graduate student with the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Alberta. She earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Biology from The Ohio State University and a Doctor of Chiropractic and Master's in Science in Clinical Research, both from Palmer College of Chiropractic. In addition to her education, Dr. Pullman has also had the opportunity to be the lead clinical project manager for several U.S. federally funded clinical trials, including the largest trial in chiropractic history conducted in active duty military personnel and a CIHR-funded team grant. Her overall goal is to become an independent clinician scientist investigating the safety and effectiveness and comp of complementary and alternative medicines, especially chiropractic care, for the use among the pediatric population. I love that pediatric stuff, so we're going to talk a lot about that today. But um, so Katie, uh, once again, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, being on the podcast with me. I'm really excited to, to have you here. Thanks, Dean, for having me. Oh, my pleasure. So um, can you tell me uh, how you got interested in being a chiropractor in the first place? And then we'll go on through your education and research. So that's dusting off quite a bit of cobwebs. But it was back when I was in junior high. I knew I wanted to be a, in the healthcare profession um, in some way or other. So I started... Um, shadowing different um, professions. Um, chiropractic really intrigued me because A, it didn't deal with emergencies. It didn't deal with death and our, our blood. So that that was was comforting to me. But it also brought people great comfort to see people in pain and to, to leave an office not in pain really intrigued me. And I wanted to be some sort of expert in um, chiropractic um, started back, back then in junior high. Oh, that's great. Now, you're also from Ohio, isn't I am, it? right okay. up the street. Yeah, yeah that's right. So uh, just north of Greenville, is that right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, and you went to Ohio State uh, University. So um, so what, how, when did you know that you wanted to be a chiropractor? Was it as a teenager or even before that? Or it, I remember writing an essay in eighth, in eighth grade talking really? about being a chiropractor. And so I, I just kept on going. Um, I was in contact with um, several chiropractic colleges throughout my um, undergrad degree, trying to decide which one to go to, but I, but I had all of their basic curriculum and was taking those courses um, throughout my education. Good I stuff. looked. I know there was a time at Ohio State that I looked into occupational therapy, uh -huh. um, 
and had taken a lot of the coursework for, for that, but chiropractic drew me right back in. And, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, that's great stuff. So um, you went to school at Palmer, um, and so tell me about uh, what happened when you graduated from Palmer. Uh, I know you have a keen interest in pediatrics, and, and I want to definitely explore that in good detail. But um, were you in practice for a while, or, so I, or what happened? I did practice for a short period of time. So my husband happened to be um, in chiropractic college as well. So um, we were in Davenport. Our plan okay. was always to come back to Ohio. My husband and I are both from here. But um, while he was in chiropractic school, I thought I'd open up. So I did open up um, a, a, a one a one table shop inside a mom mom and baby boutique. Nice. Yep, it, it was fantastic. <laughs> it was my dream um, to work on mom and babies. Um, and then I also uh, was accepted into the master's program. And at that time, I was also expecting um, my second child. And so something had to give. I couldn't balance all of that. Sure. And so I actually sure. handed my, my patients over to a, another um, colleague. And so I only got to practice six months. My whole life, I wanted to be a chiropractor. And all that time, I've only practiced six months. But well, it's funny. Uh, you know, when I when I got done, I I told myself I'm never going back to school again. Famous <laughs> last words, right? So. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so okay. Uh, so you rode and practiced for a while, and then um, decided to come back and uh, do research. So what the, what was the motivating factor to get you into research? So very good question. I um so I was also taking a diplomate in, in the pediatric program. Okay. Um so learning and, and hearing all these great stories of the of um of chiropractors treating kids, treating pregnant mamas and these wonderful outcomes and I wanted to have that. But as I was exploring the literature, it, there wasn't much in there to um uh, substantiate that. Sure. Or um and I also was having trouble myself reading the literature. And so that was um, frustrating to me. And um, since I was in Davenport, there was an opportunity to join the master's program in clinical research. So I thought, oh, this would give me more experience understanding research, um, as well as maybe adding to the literature if I could. Awesome. So awesome. That's I, that was my whole plan was to go right back into, re, in, into practice and, yeah. and put it into use in that arena. Yeah. Well, it seems that... Most of the chiropractor researchers I've talked about have had experiences just like that, mm-hmm. where either they've been in practice for a short period of time and, and realized, wow, there's a lot of stuff that either we don't know or we want to know more about or, um, or you know, having the experience of not being able to, to read the literature as well as they'd like. Uh, so I, I think that's just tremendous and uh, I certainly sympathize with that because <laughs> that's basically exactly why I got into it as well. So um, so you were pursuing the diplomate in chiropractic pediatrics. Uh, was that at the same time then as you started yeah. the program? So you're doing both at the same time. Yes, I was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about the the pediatric programs, because I was actually reading one of your, uh, well, several of your research pieces uh, on chiropractic pediatrics, and I didn't even know there were three programs. There were three. Programs. I only knew of two, uh, the one through the ICA and then the ICPA. Uh, but 
what what are the what are the programs? And so the other one is necessarily a program, but it's the the ACA has a has a um, a council on pediatrics as well. Okay. Just to be representing pediatrics within the ACA. Okay. And, then, and that's similar to the ICAs as well, but the ICA also has the educational diplomate program. Okay. But they are three separate. Three separate. Now, entities. does the ACA grant the diplomate as well? Um, not at this time. Okay. No, they did. Okay. Got it. Okay. And I've seen a lot of change with the uh, um, the ICA journal um, over the years. It, it seemed like for a while it wasn't being published. I don't know if I had that incorrect, uh, but it seemed for a few years I didn't see any articles. And then all of a sudden now there seems to be some. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're on the editorial board. I am on the that. editorial board. For yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so tell, let's talk about the the pediatric focus uh, for a little while. And um, uh, I'd like to get your your ideas about the state of chiropractic pediatric research. Um, I think, you know, if we talk to clinicians, um, you know, I, I think we would get um, the idea that uh, chiropractic uh, helps kids. And uh, certainly uh, I find that to be true on a daily basis. Um, and I think one of the reasons that I got into research was because of that idea that there, there wasn't enough or I didn't perceive enough. But then getting into it, there actually is a lot. But as far as the pediatric side of things, there's not near as much as adults. And uh, so, uh, so what are conversations like, I'm just curious, uh, that you would have with another chiropractor talking about pediatrics and chiropractic pediatric research? Where are we in the state of things? Um, when we look at where we are currently, there's a lot of gaps and a lot of um, literature that is building what I'd like to say building the foundation lower on our evidence pyramid, but needed to be able to, to, to build higher. But what's really exciting is there's a lot of stuff going on at this moment that have built on the, on the layers that have, are there um, and moving forward. So I see the next three, five years the good, solid, higher evidence um, coming out. So the current, there's a lot of gaps. Yeah. But I know of a lot of good work um, coming out that will be in our hands in three to five years. That's great. It's really exciting. So, yeah, when I look at the research, I see mostly case studies. Yes. Some case series, some literature reviews. Most of them aren't systematic reviews. Um, There's really probably not enough to do a systematic review uh, in terms of, uh, randomized trials it is uh, but the you know the case series like you said they're they lay the foundation they lay the foundation they uh, they formed a, uh, the the goal of uh, generating hypotheses uh, testable hypotheses for our research um, so uh, so the research that you're aware of that's coming out are these going to be more clinical trials or so um, I know of two trials going on in um, adolescents one on low back pain specifically and one in pain in general including neck um, and low back pain and they're both um, randomized control trials great one from Northwestern um, Chiropractic College and the other one in Denmark oh wow yeah so Good those stuff. are yeah they're really stuff. fantastic is that with dr LaBeouf? yes Eid? yeah i think she does some great stuff <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> well we'll we'll say it and uh and uh hope for, hope that it's true <laughs> okay so uh now you are 
currently doing uh, a PhD at the University of Alberta. Correct. And this is in pediatrics. It's a, it is in pediatrics. Okay, it's so you have, you have to tell me about this and tell our audience about this. How, how do you get to be a chiropractor doing a PhD in pediatrics? I know. That's very, exciting. It is very exciting that, that um, it's a unique opportunity. So pediatrics, um, essentially, I'm in a program with a lot of um, pediatricians that are doing major uh, research studies. Okay. Uh, and so I'm a chiropractor doing a major research study on pediatrics in the pediatric population. And so that's wow. how I was accepted into the program because okay. I do have a professional degree. Right, right. And I do that's have a awesome. big thesis. Yes, yeah. And so I don't know how you find the time to do the PH. Well, I guess I know what it's like, but uh, <laughs> exactly. I don't remember those days quite. <laughs> Some of it I like to forget. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's got to be busy going to conferences and meetings and doing all the research and having family and it's, young it's, kids. And, it's wonderful though, because yeah. you know what you're doing will be able to open up that many more doors. Right. Exactly. So exactly. Keep that in focus and it's all good. Yeah. So now you've authored uh, numerous publications, and uh, yesterday I had the chance to basically go through uh, them in some detail. And so you published in uh, the Journal of Manipulative and Physiological Therapeutics. Uh, I just saw some come out this year in the European Journal of Integrative Medicine, BMC Complementary and Alternative Medicine, the Journal of Electromyography and Kinesiology, to name a few. Uh, so you have a wide range of subjects that are discussed in these papers. Um, and I'm sure some of it is just opportunity that came about, um, but I'd like to explore some of it just a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, um, to give the audience some, a little bit more about your background and some common themes that I see in your work. So first, we, we've already talked about your interest in pediatric chiropractic, um, and it seems that a lot of your research seems to concentrate on evidence-based care and, and safety as two key focus areas. Uh, you've encouraged high-quality evidence for chiropractic pediatrics and created uh, at least one initiative that I've seen to partner experienced researchers with practitioners to develop uh, better journal submissions. So that's amazing. Um, and uh, can you tell me about that initiative? And, uh, yes. and is that still going on? And how do people get involved in this? So right now we're in um, a, just another planning year of it. Um, we actually did it two years. I, I published the, the outcomes of, of the first year. We did it another year. And then um, with all the transitions going on, moving, moving to um, Edmonton to obtain the PhD, we kind of paused. Um, and, uh, and we're planning this year to hopefully push it out in 2016, uh, at the end of 2015-2016. It is through the um, Diplomate program. So right now we're focusing on pediatric diplomates. Um, giving them opportunities to, to be mentored through what, doing a case report. Um, and case reports, as we, we stated, are lower on the foundation, but they also um, give practitioners an opportunity to get into the literature. To, and so half, my, half the goal of those is just to walk somebody through a literature and how do you write a, even a background and how do you um, synthesize all the information that's already out there to sure. write a background. That's sure. a big emphasis for me as um, when, I, when I do these things. And then a case report, um, while, while it's anecdotal and um, it's just generating hypothesis, uh, it, it does lay the foundation and give um, but, um, those that want to do higher studies of randomized controlled trials, a little bit of evidence 
um, to do such a thing. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I think we really need to, to get to the practitioners because they're, you know, doing the real battle conditions, seeing the patients Absolutely. in the trenches and, uh, and, and getting people better. And, yeah. and they're the ones that can really help us to, yeah. to formulate hypotheses, better hypotheses. Absolutely. Uh, and then, and then we as researchers can refine them. And, uh, you know, it seems like some, sometimes in research over the years, when I look at some papers, uh, the, we have such variability in our methods sometimes, and they kind of swamp out the results. Um, so I think if we have excellent, you know, initial papers that we can go on, maybe 10, 15, 20 case studies on a particular area, then we can run through it. I know I really appreciate a good case study and uh, the literature reviews that come along with it. Yeah. Um, they're really, in my opinion, no less work than some other types of studies. Th in fact, in some cases, they're a little bit more, but... Uh... That's exactly it. That's another reason for the mentor. Is it's such a daunt? It can be so daunting that if you have somebody able to walk you through step by step, it just makes it doable versus, I have this great case, but that's too scary. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it is too scary. It is. <laughs> it it, I mean, it is totally scary. If you've never done one before, uh, you know, having a, a mentor is really key. Okay, so uh, next, uh, the next line of research that I've seen uh, gets into that safety issue a little mm -hmm. bit more. And uh, you've written recently in the uh, European Journal of Integrative Medicine about this project called SafetyNet. And from what I gather, it's an interdisciplinary team or research program to support safety culture for spinal manipulation therapy. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and it, it looks like a really large task to me. Uh, it seems like it's North American at this time, if I'm not mistaken. Mostly but Canadian, but yes. Mostly Canadian, but uh, it looks like this could easily be applied internationally. Uh, can you tell us about the this program, Safety Net, and, and what the idea is about it? So I'm going to step back just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please. In my interest with pediatrics, um, in everything that I've read and when I talk to people, the big question always comes up, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? And while we do have um, low malpractice insurance and there is, there's, um, there's little to no cases in the literature on, um, on adverse events that we've caused, we still don't have any good solid studies out there to be able to say here is here are the incident rates, here are the numbers, here it's done prospectively. And so that was my interest in safety. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, and how I got to, into my PhD program was that my advisor, Dr. Sunita Borja, was actually awarded a grant through the CIHR. CIHR is the Canadian, um, sis Canadian sister of NIH. Okay. So to, to look at the safety or to support the safety of um, spinal manipulation therapy and then so and that team is called safety net okay so spinal manipulation therapy for that team is with anybody who provides that care so that can be physiotherapists that can be do's it can be mds it can be nds and you've, be, be you've become canadian haven't you say physio <laughs> i said didn't i <laughs> katie <laughs> uh, that's okay i'm canadian too so <laughs> but uh that yeah that's really interesting um so I know when, you know, I hear this from practitioners a lot uh, about uh, the, the safety issue. And um, certainly I, I think that it's a, 
it's a substantial issue to cover. Um, we have to deal with the, the association of manipulation with stroke. Of course, that uh, association also appears with visits to general practitioners. Um, and so I, I think uh, this idea about examining the safety is long overdue. So I applaud you. Uh, thank you very much for uh, doing this. And it seems that um, when looking at safety, um, chiropractors get the sense, uh, and I, I certainly fall into this category, that uh, you know, if you, if you adjust a patient and the patient gets a little bit sore, like that day or the next day, that would be an issue, wouldn't it? That, that would be a, a mild reaction or whatever, whatever you want to call it. But that, is a, uh, that would be classifiable as an adverse event. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And uh, so the only way it wouldn't be is if the, the patient had no uh, subjective or objective finding of, uh, of harm or, um, or uh, I don't know, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, am I saying that correct? That, that Do I have correct. the idea? And that's what makes it difficult um, uh, with the adverse event. Because if we think of adverse events, we think the bad things, but we actually don't have any da data on what we would consider expected or anticipated um, adverse events, such as mild soreness. Sure, um, sure. So we actually don't have incident rates on that as well. Right. Um, and the unique part about the safety net team is that we do have a basic science proportion. And so Dr. Greg Kalchuk leads that. And one of the things that we might be able to look at is, is there ways to mitigate that? Is, exactly. is there some third therapies that we can do? Um, are there... Um, I'm, I'm using quotes, risk factors are predisposing conditions that make people more um, likely to be sore and the, are there things that we can do before that. So that's the types of things that the study is looking at. Yeah, very good. So yeah. in this kind of study, um, it's an observational study, is that right? In other words, there, there is no manipulation of uh, what people are going to get uh, it's just observing chiropractors in their practice and, and asking patients about their experiences. That yeah, there's, pretty much a, there's actually four different team projects oh, okay. going on into it. Okay. So the one that I'm most involved with, you are correct, and it's called a surveillance, okay. so an active surveillance, um, but we're observing um, and collecting data from what um, the doctor is providing and collecting feedback from the patient, both how they felt before and how they felt afterwards. Okay. Yep. So the focus is on manipulation, but how... How would um, you be able to get out as a researcher? Like, uh, if uh, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption here, and I may be incorrect, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Um, I'm, my guess is that most chiropractors are going to probably do uh, some things other than just an adjustment. Maybe give some advice about exercise, or maybe provide some supplements or nutritional or dietary advice. Uh, maybe have them do. Um, uh, some kind of therapy, electrical stimulation or ultrasound or something like that. How does, is it possible to tease that stuff out of it? It's why observational research needs such large data set. And so with this study, we're, we're trying to collect data from doctor's offices. And so we're going to need a lot of data so that we can be able to tease details out of that. And we won't, um, at least I don't, believe we'll be able to come up with any finite answers, but we will be able to come up with hypothesis that we can then later yeah. test. Yeah, from. great, great. Yeah. It's It gets the ball rolling. It, it absolutely does. <laughs> <laughs> Which is desperately what we need, I think. So fantastic. All right. Um, and so uh, 
at this point, um, let me ask you about uh, another uh, investigation that you've done. Uh, so I've got two, two more things I really want to ask you about, and then we'll just chit-chat for a little while about uh, some pie-in-the-sky kind of ideas. Mm -hmm. But uh, So you also published a paper with Dr. Gertz uh, in uh, Journal of Electromyography and Kinesiology just a couple of years ago. And that was, uh, if, uh, if I remember right, a, a whole series on chiropractic or spinal manipulation. And uh, so your paper... Uh, in that journal article was about um, patient-centered outcomes and uh, low back pain. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that paper was about and, and what, you were, what you were trying to get to? Yeah, so um, patient-centered outcomes is a big initiative that Dr. Gertz has been a leader for, and especially with chiropractic care. Um, one of the things she taught me with patient-centered outcomes is that chiropractic has been using patient-centered outcomes as our um, foundation for a long time. Like that's that's mostly what we use um, as our outcome measures. And so we, we're actually quite professional at, at this. The one thing we're not using a lot of is um, making sure that they're validated and reliable scales scales but we're very used to asking our patients how do you feel what are your expectations what are your goals um and items like that which are your patient-centered questions and so with this paper in particular we just looked at randomized trials and we looked at i believe i'm dusting cobwebs but i believe we looked at five different um outcome measures and then we combined them and it was a um two on pain so your um NRS, your numeric reading scale on a scale of 0 to 10, how do you feel? feel? Um, the visual analog, so a sliding scale, usually 0 to 100, where a person can slide along. And then your disability, as well as the SF36, your basic overall function in life. Um, and what we, I think the big conclusions were, what we found is that in chiropractic research, um, we're better with the, we show better outcomes with visual analog scale where because it's more we make sure sensitive we have it has more um, instead of just 11 points to go off of um, visual analog scale allows us to be able to get more finite detail in there okay um, yeah great <clears throat> um, and uh, lastly uh, in terms of the the um series of questions that I have for you about uh, papers that you've done and, and projects that you're working on currently. Um, I know you were, um, and I hope I get this right, you were the project manager of Correct. the massive study that's going on through, the, uh, through Palmer uh, in working with the Department of Defense. Uh, if you don't mind, can you give us a little bit of a, an overview of that? Because I think this is a, such an important series of studies that are going on and I don't think people really have an idea who it, are out in, it, in the real world <laughs> so to speak absolutely um, a, a study that's going to change our profession and it was it was heartbreaking to have to leave the study have to leave the incredible people that are on the team to it almost kept me from doing my PhD but I had to look at um, that they still had great people on the team and it and to, to carry it out um, but that study is, is um, looking at, the unique thing about that study is it's looking at active duty personnel. And most of our clinical trials that have been done in the past have typically been done on your 
um, upper age, middle to upper age, and usually a, a much higher BMI than what we're going to find in the active duty. So the population sure, sure. is going to be completely um, unique. Um, and it's a population that deserves the best. We all deserve best care. But it yeah, is definitely yeah. a population that yeah. deserves good care. Sure. Um, and what we did was we worked with chiropractors that were already established on those bases. Um, and these chiropractors have pioneered the road to... Um, to be in those facilities most of them weren't accepted into those facilities with open arms but now are greatly appreciated to be there and it's just a, it was it was wonderful seeing each each base and how they had built their rapport and their relationships and had all done a, a beautiful job and it's something we we should model in chiropractic especially with collaborative care totally i think the military deserve uh what we have and uh because I think chiropractic is uh, just amazing, especially for performance. And from my bias, my point of view, these, uh, although you may not consider them athletes, I think uh, they fulfill many of the definitions of an athlete. Absolutely. And uh, they're, they're performance-based, these folks, uh, these military folks. And, um, and chiropractic, uh, I think, could really help. But we'll find out, right? We'll Absolutely. find out what the... And uh, I'm privileged to be a consultant on the, uh, the project, at least uh, looking at uh, reaction times and, and motor control type issues. Uh, and that's, that's a super exciting uh, set of studies. It's just unbelievable. So Katie, uh, do you have any other areas of research that interest you? And, and where, where do you see yourself going after you get done with your PhD? So I'm, I really love um, collaborative research working with other professions. I think um, I spent uh, 10, 11 years at Palmer, which I would not have been able to walk into a major university without that training and that background and that um, that awareness that they, that they gave me. But being at a major university has been so exciting to be at the table when discussions are happening and, and laying um, collaborative relationships and how, what chiropractic can bring to the table because while we, um, I think chiropractic feels left out a lot, sometimes we're just not even um, thought of. We're not at the table. We're not at the table. <laughs> we're, they're, they're thinking about everything else. And so yeah. to be at the table um, and to be part of a team um, to you know, bring good care to patients. For sure. Yeah. For sure. It's a, so that is a major focus of mine. I, I hope to cont always continue to be, to build those relationships. Good stuff. Yeah. And so... When you're when you're done with your PhD, uh, what are your plans then? Are you are you going to plan on working at a university or? If you could tell me what my plans are, I greatly <laughs> appreciate it. Um. <laughs> well, I just heard that uh, CMCC has signed an agreement with York University. As well, uh, that's as, exciting. And I also believe University of Toronto. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, maybe that's what it was. Okay. So yeah. okay. I don't want to say the wrong thing, York, but maybe that's what it was. Okay. Very maybe exciting. it was Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Very Oh, that's great. To do um, to, for PhD students. Okay. Good stuff. Um, and my, my plans, as much as um, it really, it took me a while to accept, I don't see practice being in the future. Uh -huh. Um but who knows, right? But I, I, I've spent a lot of time building my research skills and yeah. to be able to design and conduct and, and follow through with, with studies. That That is my hope. And where, um, I'm not set on where, um, but I always hope to be either 
being at a major major research institution reaching into chiropractic or being at chiropractic reaching the other way. One of the two is my goal. Yeah, fantastic stuff. All right, I've got some other wrap-up questions for you. All right, so one of the goals of this podcast series is to motivate and assist practitioners and students to pursue uh, research careers in chiropractic. Can you offer any advice to aspiring students who maybe in chiropractic college uh, and thinking about a research career? You know, um, going through chiropractic um, school, I never once stepped foot into the big glass building, which is now the Palmer Center for (laughs) Chiropractic Research. Uh Never once thought that I would do anything besides put my hands on mamas and children. And so my advice would be just keep your uh, mind open um, you never know what might um, cross your desk. And even if it's to, um, I'm going to put a plug in there because I'm trying to get um, providers to participate in a research study, even yeah, if it's yeah. just dabbling and stuff like that or to write a case report, um, keep your mind open um, and know that we're all busy, but what it might contribute to the future is um, important as, as well. Good stuff. How, how would you... Uh summarize your research within chiropractic do you have some some key motivational things that uh, that guide you and in, in what you do or some i don't know some takeaway points that that you've learned over the years doing research are there any big thoughts that come to your head you know, as you look back i um i'm always amazed with the amazing um mentors that i've had and amazing researchers that are out there, the practicing providers that are out there. We are um, we are absolutely doctors of chiropractic, and we know um, we know so much about the body, and and we have such passion um, for to make for wellness care and and to provide the best care to our patients. That um, that really motivates me and, and keeps me going to um, in this field. And I think um, to me that's the, that's a very exciting piece. I think we need to continue to focus on, on what we can provide. Amen, Katie. High fives. <laughs> That's awesome. What, what do you see as the pressing issues within the profession at the moment? And you could talk about the practice of chiropractic or research, whatever hits you. I think um, a lot of it is um, not being at the table, what, uh-huh. what, what I've already discussed. And um, not being at the table and as well as um, our, our fights we have amongst ourselves versus um, going out there and battling the bigger picture mm-hmm. um, of what we can provide and what we can do. And so those are some challenges I think we need to overcome and we can. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubt about that, as I'm sure you do. So um, any concluding remarks? Um, concluding remarks, I just thank you for this opportunity. I know that um, I will have my contact information out there okay. that um, people can um, contact me with any questions or ideas that they have. Um, and, and just keep doing the great work and um, keep your mind open to what might come across your desk and where opportunities may lie. Cause great. You never know. Katie, thanks so much for being on today. Really appreciate it. And chiropractic appreciates you. Thank you, Thank you very much. As well as you.